0: Oh, if you're planning to be in heaven, why don't you go ahead and lift up your hands and just begin to magnify him for a moment. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Holy, holy is the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Well, I'm looking forward to that great day, aren't you? When we throw our crowns at the feet of Jesus and worship Him forevermore. Amen. Beautiful song, beautiful spirit of worship today. Uh, If you have your Bibles, please stand, and we're going to get right into the Word of the Lord. I'm directing your attention to the book of Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3 and verse number 15, and we'll read down through verse 17 today. If you have that say man and as they that bear the ark this being the ark of the covenant were come unto jordan and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water for jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon an heap very far from the city of Adam that is beside Saratan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, the Dead Sea, failed and were cut off. And the people passed over. Everyone said they passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. So to paint a mental picture here, the Levitical priests carried the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders and they stood in the middle of the Jordan River and let the people pass by until everyone had passed over. I'd like to preach a title today, and uh, the Lord really been dealing with me about it, and I don't intend it to be disrespectful or rude, but I do feel like this is the appropriate title. You've got to get over it. You've got to get over it. Now, I don't want you to look at your neighbor. I want you to point to yourself. And talk to yourself for just a minute. It's all right. You know you do it when no one's looking. Just do it in public for a minute and say, you got to get over it. Go ahead. Point to yourself. You got to get over it. Amen. Put your Bible down. Lift up your hand. And let's just ask the Lord to help us. Lord, in the name of Jesus, there's some stuff that we've got to get over today, Lord. And I pray you'd help us to pass clean over and reach the other side. I pray that you'd minister to us today. Help us, Lord. I pray that your word would would penetrate deep into our spirit today. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. Thank you for worshiping. You can be seated. At this point in time, God's people were finally about To enter the promised land. It had been a long, long time coming. And they'd spent a lot of dusty wilderness days. They'd fought a lot of battles. They'd been through a lot of difficulty. And this was the moment where finally they were going to step in to the land of promise. They were going to inherit. Houses that they did not build, vineyards that they did not plant, cities that they did not build. They were stepping into a land flowing with milk and honey. That simply means it was a prosperous land. It was a good land. This was the place that everybody wanted to be, and God was giving it to them. And this was the moment that they had anticipated waiting for, prayed for, hoped for. But there was a major obstacle between them and the promised land, the River Jordan. The River Jordan was a deep and still is a treacherous, dangerous, raging river. This is no small stream, not just a a little placid fishing lake somewhere on the edge of town. This was a raging torrent. A mighty obstacle between them and the promise of God. The Jordan is almost a mile from bank to bank. So if you are trying to cross it, it would be about a mile across at its most narrow places. It's over a 100 feet deep. And if you study even today the River Jordan, it's not a gradual slope. It's an immediate drop-off. And so to step into the River Jordan would be to step into an immediate abyss where you would just sink down almost 100 feet. And to make things even more difficult, the Jordan's banks were overflowing because it was harvest time. And the Bible tells us that its banks always overflow at harvest time. The Jordan is over 200 miles long, so going around it was not an option. They had to get over it. And uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that every time the Hebrew people were about to claim a promise from God, they had to get over something and go through some things. If you remember when they left the land of Egypt, they had been praying for that for over 400 years. And God sent a deliverer by the name of Moses. And it took a lot of plagues. And it took a lot of prayer. And it took a lot of blood over doorposts. But finally, the moment came where they stepped out of Pharaoh's reign. And they stepped out on the promises of God. And they felt They felt the liberty of deliverance. And as they were leaving Egypt, they came face to face with the Red Sea. It was impassable. It was an obstacle that seemed impossible. But with my God, nothing shall be called impossible. They had to get over the Red Sea before they could ever start wandering in the wilderness. Got in the wilderness and when they finally got to the land of promise, there was another obstacle. There is always something that you will have to get over before you can claim the promises of God. I'm going to get personal in just a minute here, but I'm going to say it again. There are some things that some of you in this room have got to get over because it is keeping you from the promises of God. There is some stuff that you're going to have to step out on and get on the other side of it before you can claim what God has for you in your life. And let me just add this. This is a point that I've made behind this pulpit before, but... I think it bears repeating when Scripture talks about it being harvest time. They were stepping into the Jordan River at harvest time, meaning that it was overflowing because of the time of year, the season, the rainy time of year. Harvest time in the Bible, Jesus very clearly connects it to a season of growth and revival. And so I submit to the church today, whenever a church Begins to step into a season of harvest, a season of reaping, a season of outpouring, a season of revival. There will always be an obstacle that begins to overflow. There will always be a Jordan River that begins to swell. It's scary to look at, it can be overwhelming just to look at it. But I came to preach the apostolic tabernacle, and I know it's the dog days of. but i'm gonna preach until somebody wakes up it is harvest time for the church of the living god and that means the obstacles are going to grow that means there are going to be difficulties that we are going to have to get over if we are going to claim the promises of god god never said revival was easy Jesus never promised that harvest time would be an easy time. Harvest time can be one of the most spiritually challenging times of any time. in fact i I, I dare say after years of evangelizing and i uh, sometimes I, it, we've I've been off the evangelistic field so long that the days of evangelizing seem like a distant dream, a memory but uh, i've been to churches, and Lord forgive me if this sounds harsh but I've been to churches that were not interested in revival. I've preached in dozens and dozens of churches that didn't care one bit if anybody ever spoke in tongues in the altar. They didn't care if anybody came and had their life changed. As long as they came and got a little goosebump and got a good little feeling and got their little bit of blessing, their little bit of manna from heaven, and they could go home and feel good about themselves and just barely make it till next Sunday, they were happy. Apostolic Tabernacle is not that kind of church. Apostolic Tabernacle is a church that has their heart fixed on revival. We have our affection set on an apostolic Pentecostal outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the last days. But I'll tell you what always amazes me about those churches is there is very little spiritual resistance from the enemy. Now, they have sin and they have complacency and they have things that happen in their life. But within the church... The enemy is not concerned with them because they are not a threat to the enemy. The enemy will always come in like a flood when he sees that a church is a threat to his agenda. And so when the river jordan begins to swell whenever you get to a place where you don't know how am i going to get over you should rest assured that you are doing something right you may not be doing everything right but you're doing something right because you have gotten the enemy's attention and you have stepped into a season of harvest you stepped into a season of revival You stepped into the place that God is preparing you for so you can enter into something greater. Somebody clap your hands and worship the Lord right now. Somebody who's facing an obstacle, why don't you go ahead and praise him right now? You can see the other side. You don't know how you're going to get there, but you see the promise. I'm preaching to somebody. You don't know how your baby's ever going to be saved. You don't know how your grandchild's ever going to serve God. You don't know how your husband will ever get right with God. But the Lord is giving you a supernatural vision right now. You can look across the swelled banks of the River Jordan. And you can see the promise on the other side. Somebody praise him right now you got to get over it. you got to get, get over it. You've got to get over it. You've got to give over it. You've got to get over it. Hallelujah. Now, the River Jordan in popular culture, and I've, I've heard it preached this way too, and, and I don't want to destroy anybody's theology here. A lot of popular songs even, spiritual songs will refer to the River Jordan as being death. And so you got to get over, you know, you cross over and you cross in. And I understand why that would be. There's even some merit to it. But I've always seen it a little bit differently. I see the River Jordan as being symbolic of dying to our flesh. And so the River Jordan is carnality. It's the old man. It's death. And you will not inherit the promised land. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about heaven right now. Now, some of y'all are going to get nervous because I'm going to start talking about how how you got to make it to heaven. And some of y'all think just everybody's going to get to heaven doing whatever they want. That is antithetical to everything the Bible teaches us. You have to crucify your flesh before you can enter into the promised land. And so I see the River Jordan as symbolic of our flesh our carnal nature and whenever a church enters a season of revival there's going to be a raging river of carnality I've struggled with this as a preacher my entire ministry because it seems contrary to my understanding of revival because you would think that revival always means that there's going to be a great spiritual uh, renewal in people and that is what revival should become But often at the beginning of revival, the enemy will begin to work overtime and people's flesh, their carnality will rear up. Anybody okay this morning? I know you want me to preach Lamborghinis and Mercedes from heaven, but I'm going to help somebody how to overcome their flesh because you've got to get over your flesh if you want to get on the other side. If you want to inherit the promise, if you want to see heaven, if you want to have genuine apostolic revival, if you want to see miracle signs and wonders, if you want God to bless you, you're going to have to get on the other side of your flesh. And I can feel flesh rising up right now just preaching like this. We ought to just clap our hands to the Lord and get over our flesh for a minute here. We've got to crucify it a little bit. I feel pride rearing its head right now. I can feel ego beginning to rear up right now because we don't like preaching that comes against our flesh. And that's how I know I'm right in the will of God right now because we will never get to the next level. We will never see Jericho walls fall. We will never see the kingdoms of this world come tumbling down if we don't get over our flesh and get on the other side where God wants us to be. So what are you talking about, preacher? I know when we say flesh and carnality, those are just kind of big words that kind of seem to mean whatever we want them to mean. Let me just give you a few pinpointed examples. Envy will rear its head at harvest time. Jealousy. Oh, my God. I'm feeling it right now. Jealousy will begin to creep its little head up all the times of harvest. Bitterness. Bitterness is a harvest killer. Bitterness will overflow at harvest time. Anger. People will lose control of their own willpower at harvest time. Pride. Offense. Offense. People will get offended. Honey, you better get over your offended spirit or you will My God, you will never get on the other side. I'm preaching to some people today. Somebody just looks at you sideways and you get all offended and you can't even come to church and worship. Honey, you better get over it and get on the other side or you're going to miss the promises of God. I need an apostolic to help me preach this morning. I need somebody who knows how to wage some spiritual warfare to shake yourself in the Holy Ghost. I need a prayer warrior who knows how to get over to help me preach today. Hallelujah. Lust. Do you know how many revivals have been destroyed because somebody let their flesh, their lustful spirit, get out of control? Lust, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, worldliness. People who long to be like the world, look like the world, talk like the world, walk like the world. Worldliness will will rise up it will begin to overflow at harvest time but God did not call the Hebrews to go into the land of promise and become like the Midianites and the Amalekites and the Philistines God called his children to go and drive those spirits out of the promised land he said you are a chosen people you are a peculiar people you are a separated people you're not to dress like the world You're not to marry into the world. You're not to raise your children like the world. You don't talk like the world. You don't pray to the same gods the world prays to. You serve the one true living God, and him only shalt thou serve. Is there anybody today who understands we've got to be called out? We've got to drive the world out of our promise. If God had not wanted them to be different and separated, they could have stayed in Egypt and been like Egypt. But God took them to a place where they could be holy unto Him. Prayerlessness will rear its head. It'll overflow at the time of harvest. Pettiness. Strife. Arguments will rear their head because the enemy is creating a barrier of your own flesh, your own carnality between you and the promise that God has for you. It's important to remember that the Hebrews had been in that exact location. They had stood in that very spot before. They had been there. They had seen the promise. They had even had a word from God saying, the promise is for you right now. They had stood there. But there were people who said the giants are too big. The walls are too high. We're in our own sight as grasshoppers. We're we're not capable of going into the land. We're not big enough. We're not strong enough. We're not educated enough. We're not powerful enough. And so they lost sight Of the power of God they let their own carnal doubt they let their own carnal fear they let their own carnal insecurity keep them from obtaining the promises of God and I'm preaching to somebody right now who is feeling like you can't get over it honey I want you to know it is time to get over to the other side stop looking at the walls stop looking at the Giants Stop looking at the problems and fix your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, let's talk quickly about how, because it wouldn't do me any good to tell you you got to get over it and what you need to get over if I don't tell you how to get over it. Anybody wanna know how to get over it? I know I'm preaching to somebody, you're wrestling with flesh right now. And I can feel it, there's a battle right now. I mean, it's just all over me. I can feel the battle in the spirit realm right now. There are people who are wrestling with things in their flesh that you would never dream of. People that you would never think they're wrestling with that, but they are because it's harvest time and the banks are overflowing. But I came with good news for somebody today. You don't have to be stuck staring at the promise. You can get to the promise. Number one, here's what Joshua said to the people. Joshua got up early in the morning the day that they were going to cross over. And he looked at the people and he said, here is what I want you to do because today's the day. Get ready, guys. Anybody ready? Today's the day. We're getting over it this time. Nothing is stopping us this time. Evil reports from spies, not going to stop us. We're going. Remember, he had been one of the spies, one of two who said we can do it way back when. And now he's in charge. And he said, we're going whatever we've got to do. And he looked at the people square in the eye and he said this, sanctify yourselves. That didn't get y'all as excited as it got me. When I read that, it got me excited. Somebody needs to be excited about sanctification. Somebody needs to get excited about what it means to be saved, sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, we can't get real, real deep because if I get too deep theologically, y'all will leave and go eat lunch without me. And so I'm not going to do it. But let me just say this. You have got to be sanctified if you're going to be saved. If you're going to get on the other side, you have to sanctify yourself. Now, I know that I'm bumping up against what some of you believe. You believe that... uh, you don't have any role in the process of sanctification. In other words, God sanctifies you, and then you can wear anything you want to wear, say anything you want to say, sleep with anyone you want to sleep with, drink anything you want to drink. I'm going to tell you, that is completely against everything the Bible teaches about sanctification. You have a role in sanctification, you have to be a part of the process of sanctification. It takes God, God has to do the final work, but you have to say, Lord, I'm willing to put the work in to being sanctified. I want to live holy. I want to talk holy. I want to walk holy. I want my life to be set apart. I want what I look at to be sanctified. I want everything I touch to be sanctified. Because I want to get over my flesh. (laughs)
1: Look
0: at Hebrews 12 and 14. The Apostle Paul said, Follow peace with all men and holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. I want to be sanctified. I want to be holy. I want what I listen to to be holy. I want the words that come out of my mouth to be holy. Oh hallelujah. Does anybody hunger for holiness today? Is there anybody in this dirty old world who hungers for holiness and righteousness? Now a lot of people want to skip that part and still get over but you cannot skip holiness and get over your flesh when you try to bypass holiness you will constantly drown in the river jordan of your flesh Because you have no barriers. You have no boundaries. You have no fences. There's nothing that keeps your carnality in check. And so everywhere you go, you feel like you're drowning in sin. Everything you do, you feel like you're sinking in the miry clay. But my God came to lift me up out of the muck and lift me up out of the mire so that I can be sanctified. Number two, Joshua told them. We're talking about. How to get over your flesh. Joshua told them, sanctify yourselves. And then he said, you must follow the Ark of the Covenant. Keep your eyes on the Ark. Watch it. See where it's going. And make sure you're behind it. Don't don't get out in front of the Ark. You stay behind the Ark of the Covenant. Be very, very careful to do that because you're following. The Ark of the Covenant, it always represents the presence of God, the Spirit of God. And I'm preaching to somebody today who needs to follow after the Spirit. Some of you are so spiritual you think you can get out in front of the Holy Ghost and do whatever you want but you better get behind the Spirit and let the Spirit of the Lord lead you and guide you you will never get over your flesh until you get behind the Spirit and say Lord wherever you lead me I'm gonna follow God wherever you take me whatever the Holy Ghost is doing today I'm going to follow it if it walks out into the middle of a treacherous raging river I will follow Follow it, I'll go there. If it takes me to the place of my deepest fear, I'll follow it because I'm following the Spirit. Romans 8 and 12 says, Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors to the flesh, to live after the flesh. We're not slaves to our flesh, our desires, our wants. No, that was all before Christ. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit, do mortify, kill the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. How many are thankful for the Holy Spirit today? We need the Spirit. We need to be a Spirit-led church. We need to be a Spirit-filled church. We need to be a people of the presence. And third, And finally, Joshua said, Sanctify yourselves, follow the ark, and let the priests who are the keepers of the ark go first. I'm going to lose a bunch of you here. And do as they do. Keep your eyes on the ministry. And let the ministry lead you because the ministry is the ones that are carrying the anointing. They are carrying the anointing. (laughs) They're keepers of it. And so I'm using them. Keep your eyes on the priest's and follow after them. Hebrews 13, 17, because some of y'all need New Testament for this. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. Someone shout it. It's talking about my pastor. They watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. And I know there's a lot of people who think it's just going to be me and Jesus and I don't need a preacher or spiritual authority. You need a pastor in your life or you will never get over to the other side. And some people want a preacher. They just want somebody to come put a little bread in their lap. But you need more than a preacher. You need to follow a ministry. A God-ordained, God-called, sanctified ministry. And you need to walk behind it because the ministry is who God has called. Listen, listen, listen. Here's what God told the priests to do through Joshua. God told the priests, I want you to be the very first ones who step before that overflowing river Jordan, and I want you to be the first ones who step your feet into that raging water. It was men of God, called of God, led of God, anointed of God, who had to be the first to step into that river of carnality, and the Bible says when they stepped their foot into to the water. Immediately the waters began to part and the ground began to dry up. And as the ministry stepped into that water, every step they took, the obstacle began to give way. The reason some of you cannot get over is because you will not follow a man of God into a place of anointing. <laughs> My God, I'm wrestling demons right now in the Holy Ghost. I'm wrestling a spirit of pride and rebellion right now in the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to shake yourself and understand that we are called to follow the ministry that God has placed in our lives. Bishop. There are some things that when I face them, there are some areas in my life that the only way I can get victory over them is for me to step up and follow behind the path that my bishop has blazed. There are some places that I can never go on my own, but I've got to get behind my bishop and say, Bishop, I know you've already been this way before. Bishop, I know you've already beat those demons up before. Bishop, I know you've already rebuked that demon before. And so I want to get behind you and watch the waters be parted. There are some things in my life Where the only way I can get victory is to get behind my father, an anointed man of God. Who's already blazed a trail of holiness. Who's already blazed a trail of faithfulness. Who's already blazed a path of prayerfulness. And I've got to get behind him and say, I can't get over this river by myself. I need you to step in in front of me and let it part so that I can get through. On the other side. I'm going to preach it hard today. Some of you will drown in your own carnality. Because you refuse to submit yourself to ministry. You'll drown in your own flesh. Because you refuse to submit to authority. That has gone before you. You don't have to like me, I'm gonna preach it anyway. Some of you better get over it though, because I'm telling you the spirit of the age, the spirit of the age is rearing its head. The spirit of the Antichrist is already working in the world today. Things are getting darker. Things are getting harder, but my Bible tells me that in the last days there will be a mighty latter rain outpouring of the Holy Ghost. That means it's harvest time, and harvest time means the banks of carnality are overflowing, and when they start overflowing, you got to get over it. If you want to get to the promise, stand with me, stand with me, stand with me. Musicians, come. (laughs) <laughs> There's not a person in this room. The Lord spoke to me last night, including myself. There is not a person in this room who doesn't have some area of the flesh that they need to get over. If you're hearing this message and saying, well, boy, I hope sister so-and-so is hearing that preaching, you're not hearing the preaching right. If you're hearing this message and, and you're thinking, boy, I hope brother so-and-so is listening to that preacher, you're not, you're not listening right every person in this room has an area of the flesh that they need to get over. And you can get over it. I said you can. The Bible says when they did get over it and they got to the other side, they named that place Gilgal. Gilgal means circles. They'd purposed in their heart when they finally, remember, they had been wandering in circles in the wilderness. And when they got to the other side, they said, we're not going to wander in circles anymore. Gilgal will remind us of what we just got over. We don't have to wander in that place of shame any longer. We don't have to go around in circles Repeating the same old mistakes over and over and over again because we got over it. Now we're on the other side. Joshua, as soon as they got across, he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take 12 stones, one for each tribe. And I want you to build a memorial, one that will stay here forever. So every time your children and your grandchildren come back to this place, they'll see the testimony of what mama and daddy got over. Some of you who've been delivered from addiction, you need to run to this altar this morning and build a memorial as a testimony so your children and grandchildren can see God brought them over it. God delivered them from that. Some of you who have been delivered from anguish and depression, Some of you who have come out of the deep depths of the world, you ought to come to this altar right now as a testimony and just build some stones so that your family, so someone today who's here and struggling can see a testimony. God can deliver the vilest person. Some of you who used to struggle with anger, you had no control over your mouth. You had no control over your personality. You ought to run to this altar And build a memorial as an encouragement to somebody. God brought me over. God brought me out on the other side. Some of you who are lost in darkness. You want to come build a memorial at this altar. Hallelujah.
1: Yes.
0: Somebody who used to be a liar ought to run to this altar and say, I'm not a deceiver anymore. My name isn't Jacob anymore. My name has been changed. My name is Israel now. It's Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. I wonder if you're in this room and you're standing in front of a river of flesh and you don't know how you're going to get over it to the other side. Nobody looking around. I wonder if you just throw your hand up and say, Brother brother Ryan, Pastor French, I want you to pray for me right now. Throw that hand up. Throw that hand up. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. All right. All right, lift up that other hand. Everybody lift up your hand. And we're going to pray right now that God would send a spirit of deliverance into this tabernacle. God, I pray the power of the Holy Ghost would sweep in this sanctuary, Lord. I pray the delivering power. Lord, by the anointing that you placed on my life, I'm stepping into this river right now, Lord. And I pray that it would begin to part I pray that the ground would become passable. I pray that they would be able to step over into the other side, into the promise. I pray that you bless them, Lord. I pray that they would inherit all the promises that you placed in their life. (laughs) Lord, I pray that no one under the sound of my voice would settle for the wilderness. But I pray they would step into blessings today. I pray that our flesh would be broken. I pray that our carnality would be defeated, Lord. In the name of Jesus, give us a spirit of righteousness, the spirit of sanctification. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.